But uh, he read the, the scripture this morning out of, out of Matthew, and we're going to look back there for just a second, then I want to go to Psalms real quick. Uh, but the last verse, in this passage, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And, and it's amazing in this passage that the disciples are saying, well, this is who this, they say you're Elias, some say you're Jeremiah, uh, some say you're Elijah, one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up. Now, sometimes, and I, and I can pick on Bob a little bit because Bob plays Peter in our He's Alive passion play. Fitting role for him. Amen? Um, but uh, Peter was always the one, when you study in the Gospels, he's usually the first one to speak up and say something. He had to be Baptist. Um, but, <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, I can say that I was raised Baptist. We can, I can pick on you all a little bit. But Peter spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, It wasn't flesh and blood. It wasn't somebody that came up and told you this. My Father allowed you to see this. And he said, I stand to thee, Peter, that thou art Peter. And this is when he changed his name. Up to this point, he was called Simon. This he changed Peter. Peter is from the Greek word Petros, which means rock. And Peter, even though all, a lot of times Christians want to say, well, I want to be a Paul. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Paul. If we're all honest with ourselves this morning, we're more like Peter than we are Paul. Because there's a lot of times that this kicks in before this even thinks about it. And Peter had that problem constantly. And uh, even when Peter's life came to an end and they were going to crucify him, he says, I do not deserve to be crucified like my Lord. And he was crucified upside down. And uh, but he said, upon this rock, now Peter not being the rock and the foundation of the church, God in Christ is the foundation of the church, but Peter was very instrumental in starting the church. And uh, he said, I will build my church. And I love this last phrase. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The attacks and the persecutions and everything that's been brought against the church have fallen by the wayside because God said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, look over to Psalms chapter 122 real quick. We'll do some... Y'all remember the old phone books? How many here remember phone books? Okay. Remember you say do some walking through the yellow pages? We're going to do some walking through the white pages this morning. Amen? Um, because what I want to bring this morning, if you saw the, the billboard out there, or the little sign, I say billboard, it's not a billboard, the sign out there, you know what the title of the sermon is today, How to Be a Good Church Member. And... Uh, Psalms 122. It's, it, my favorite passage, my life passage is Psalms 121. And, but 122, if, I can, if my fingers will work right here this morning. Um, 122 verse 1 is what I'm going to look at. Now in 121 it talks about, I will lift up my eyes into the hills. It talks about where our help and our strength and our, and our victory comes from. And that's why I love that passage. That is my passage right there that I, that I love. And that's my life's passage. But the very first verse says this, I was glad... When they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. This morning when you got up, you should have been excited to come to church. I heard the story one time that a guy, a mother came and woke, his, woke this guy up and she woke her son up and said, Son, come on, you got to get up. It's time for church. I don't want to go. She said, now come on, you need to get up and go to church. He goes, I don't want to go. They don't like me and I don't like them. She says, well, son, you're the pastor. You have to go. <laughs> And then I heard a story one time about a gentleman who just took over a church. And every Sunday for the first two months, every Sunday, a half-hour sermon. People were out by noon. They got to the buffet before the Methodists. They were all happy. 
About the, the first Sunday of the third month, he preached for an hour and a half. Well, after church, the deacons got together and said, we've got to figure out what in the world's going on here. They get together with him at church saying, they said, what happened this morning, Pastor? Did we do something wrong? Somebody in church said, he's preaching an hour and a half this morning. You haven't done that the whole time you've been here. He goes, boys, he said, fellows, folks, he said, I'm sorry. He said, I apologize to the church. He says, the power was out the parsonage this morning. I put my wife's teeth in by mistake. <laughs> but anyways, now we'll get to the message. Amen. <laughs> well, I know how to dig a hole real quick, don't I? But, uh, but anyways, I'll have every woman come out smart. We did like you till the day. <laughs> That's okay. The two ladies I sing with had to put up with this stuff all the time. So. But, uh, but anyways, let's pray this morning, and we're going to talk about how to be a good church member. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us. And Lord, we thank you that we can laugh in church, and Lord, that laughter is like a medicine, and and Lord, that, that you have, that it's okay to show the joy of the Lord and laugh. Father God, I pray that you bless the message. Lord, I pray that you would open the hearts and minds of everybody here today. Holy Spirit, if there's one here this morning under the sound of my voice that does not know you as their personal Savior, that they will before they leave this building this morning. Holy Spirit, hide me behind the cross, anoint me afresh and anew, and help me to say what you want me to say. And we, appreciate, and we thank you and we love you, and we just appreciate everything you've ever done for us, Lord especially sending your Son to die on the cross, that we can have the hope of heaven and eternal life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. So, if you're going to be a good church, what would you think would be the very first thing, what would you think would be the very first thing you'd have to be before you could be a good church member? There you go. You must be born again. You must be saved. You can now, 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 that's the way it should be. Now, I'm going to say there are some people that sit in churches today that probably aren't born again. They think sitting in church is what's going to get them to heaven. Um, they think because they come to church and, well, Grandma and Grandpa went there, that, that I can get what Grandma and Grandpa had or what Mom and Dad had. You can't go to heaven on, mama, on Grandma and Grandpa or Mom and Dad's salvation. You have to have your own salvation. It's not hereditary. Your family can pass a lot of things down to you, but they cannot pass salvation to you. You have to accept that yourself. Uh, John 3.3, 3, uh, this is where Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and um, he was talking to him, and uh, funny story about John 3.3, 3, uh, you know, there's the, uh, the Roman road plan of salvation, and uh, you know, where you go through the Romans road and you show people different verses of how they can come to Christ, and there was a gentleman out one day witnessing and, and do- knocking on doors, and he was so nervous that he led a man to the Lord using the Roman roads of plan of salvation through the book of John. Now, one thing about it, John 3.10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Are thou not a master of Israel? Knowest not these things. That's supposed to be Romans 3.10, not John 3.10, but that's what John 3.10 says. But after he went through that, Brother Dave, the man got saved. That just shows you when God's in it and the Holy Spirit's in it, it doesn't matter what you read out of the Bible, God's going to save a soul, if He's going to save a soul. Amen? And, uh, but must be saved. So John 3.3 says this, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You are not going to get to heaven unless you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, uh, I, I, I have a background in, some, in, 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 in where I grew up that we, they had a thing that I called, personally called, popcorn salvation. You don't know what that is. It's when you go out and knock on the door, you ask somebody if they believe in God, and they say, oh yeah, I believe in God. Then you pray a prayer with them, 
and they have no idea what just happened. And you walk away saying, well, that's one more. I had a girl in Christian school when I grew up in. She told me that her mom in one month had 300 converts in one month. And I looked at her and I said, I bet you your pastor is just excited. She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, 300 new people coming to his church? He's got to be excited about this. She goes, well, they're not all in church. Hello? Did she really have 300 conversions to Christ? Probably not. That type of salvation is not salvation, folks. All you're doing is, 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 is telling people, you pray this prayer. There's no power in the prayer of repentance. That's a prayer that we say and ask God to save us. But the conversion comes by faith when we believe in Jesus Christ and what He's done and make Him the Lord of our lives. You know, when I was four years old, I went forward in church and prayed a prayer. I got dunked and baptized in the pond up behind the church where the pastor lived. But I was no more saved than the man in the moon. I did it because everybody else was doing it. It wasn't until I turned 13 years old in, in, the, in, the, in February of this past month, uh, February of 1989, that Jesus really hit me hard and said, and I knew I wasn't saved, and I knew I needed a Savior. And I remember the first thing my mom said to me when I came out to talk to her about my... And then I told her, Mom, I don't believe I'm saved. She goes, well, you went forward and got back. I said, Mom, that may be true, but I don't know why I did it. I know I did it, but I don't know why I did it. And I know I'm not saved. I know if God was to take, was to rapture the church tonight, or I was to die in my sleep, I know I would go to hell. I grew up a preacher's kid. So my mom sat there and she knelt down. And we, she was in her recliner. It was on a Sunday night. And she, she led me to the Lord. And, and, and we had a buck stove. We, lived in a, we had a storefront church down in Oceana, West Virginia. And uh, upstairs we lived in the apartment. And my dad heated the upstairs apartment by a buck stove. Now, if you don't know that is a big old wood burner that blows heat out. And we had holes cut in the walls so it circulate through the house. And, and uh, so he comes out to check the stove. When he comes out to check the stove, he sees mom crying. He sees me crying. He says, what do you do now? I was, I was a little rascal when I was young. I'm, I'm a big rascal now, but I was a little rascal then. Um, so he's opening the stove and he's working in the stove and, and everything. And he says, what do you do now? And she says, well, for your information, your son just accepted the Lord as his Savior. My dad started shouting. He left the door open on the stove. Flames start shooting out. And I look at him and say, hey, Dad, I just got saved. I want to go to heaven, but I really want to go tonight. But I know from that point forward... And I just celebrated 29 years of being a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. Have I always been perfect? No. Have I made mistakes? Oh, you betcha. But I know that my Lord loves me, and I know I have a relationship with Him. And when I fail Him, He's still faithful. He's still faithful. Timothy says, when we're faithless, He's still faithful. There's times because we let, what, I tell people this all the time, so how can you know that you're, that you're saved and, and how do you know this? I said, here's the thing, my soul and my spirit on that night became born again. This flesh is the problem. And this isn't going to be fixed until God gives us our glorified body. So as long as this is still in existence, we're going to have problems. We're going to face battles. We're going to war against the flesh. And Paul says that in Galatians. Read the whole book of Galatians. It talks about the battle that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. But you can know that you're saved. You can know that you're on your way to heaven. And that's what you need to be. If you're going to truly be a believer and a, a member of a church and a good member, you've got to be born again. Or it's not going to sink in. It's not going to stay. It's going to be like the seas that fell on the faulty ground. The birds are going to come by and pick you off one by one. So you must be saved. And that's what he told Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a, was a ruler. He was in the synagogue. He was a religious leader. 
But yet, he knew something was missing. Paul said uh, that, that he, was a, he was a Pharisee. He was a religious man. He knew about God, but he didn't know God. And there's a lot big difference between knowing about Him and knowing Him. And to think that you sat around in a church, and you sat in church, you experienced the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the love of God, you saw everything God had to offer, yet you still split hell wide open. You're playing a dangerous game. You're playing like you're in a club of millionaires. You don't have a million bucks, but you're welcome to come, but you only have to pay the million bucks to get out. You're treated just like a million. You get all the benefits. You get everything that they get. But you've got to pay that million dollars to get out. And you know you don't have the million dollars. So you're going to have to stay. Listen, there's a lot of people playing that this morning in churches all across this country. But you need to be saved. If you're going to be a good church member, you must be born again. Second thing, after you're born again, what, what, what do we do to be a good church member? Second thing, what we did last week, must be baptized. It's a commandment in the Bible. Does the water save you? No. But what it is, it's, a, it's, it, 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 it's an example of what happened inwardly, publicly, to the folks that you're publicly professing your belief in Christ. I remember years ago, uh, out at uh, uh, First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana, I think I shared this story with you, but I'm not sure if I did a Bob or you one, I can't remember. Uh, but uh, there was a, uh, there was, they, they, they did baptisms after every service. People came forward, got saved at First Baptist Church in Hammond, and then they do the baptisms. And they had a big church auditorium at that time, was a 5,000 seat auditorium. They had the baptistry way up high above the choir loft. And this young man came forward and made a profession to Christ, and, and uh, he was from inner city Chicago. And my dad was helping that night with the baptisms up there, and uh, all of a sudden you hear this running sound like. And all you see is this guy fly through the air and land in the baptistry. Water overflows the top, drowns the front row of the choir, hits about four of the pastors. Dr. Hiles is losing it on the platform, and he's doing the backstroke. Evidently, he thought it was a swimming pool and not a baptistry. He didn't really understand what baptism was all about. So Brother John Colson says, I don't think we'll count that one. And... Um, but they finally got him out of there, and they explained to him what baptism was. That wasn't a swimming pool. But baptism, believer's baptism, it's commanded in the Bible. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. I told you I was going to do walking through the white pages this morning. I wasn't kidding. Acts chapter 2, verse number 41 says this. My hands are not working this morning. Acts 2, 41 now, there's two ways you can join a church that I know of. One is by statement of faith, you come move into another town from another area, and by statement of faith, you transfer your membership from another church to the church that you're in. The other way is to be saved in that church, baptized in that church, and then when you do that baptism, you're brought into the fellowship of believers because you're baptized into it, alright? And that's what happened here in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, the Bible says, then, that, then they that gladly received His word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now that's the end of the day of Pentecost, of the Pentecost time, when 3,000 people were saved. Man, I'd love to have been there for that. 3,000 people. 3,000. You'd have to go, you'd have to build out here and there and everywhere to fit everybody. But they were baptized and were added to the church. 
So baptism, if you're going to be a good church member, then you need to be baptized. It's biblical. Uh, uh, my dad, when he baptized, when he baptized, and I helped him with several baptisms over the years, we used to do it in Old Creek. And, uh, and, and even in the wintertime, we'd cut a hole in the ice and baptize. That, that was kind of foolish now that you look back at it. But uh, there was a gentleman that got saved in the first church my dad pastored down in uh, Wano, West Virginia. It's outside of Wagetown, if you know where that area is. It's just on the other side of 100. And uh, out in God's country of, of, that, of that part of West Virginia, they, they had to pump sunlight into there. Amen. Uh, if you want to get to town on Saturday, you got to leave by Wednesday. All right. Um, but uh, we had this one creek we baptized in right below the church. And I remember this. This guy was a real tall guy. He had nothing on top of his head. And dad baptized him. Well, that night he came to church and said, Preacher, I got proof I was baptized today. He goes, well, yeah, we gave you a certificate. He goes, no, look at my head. They didn't cut the ice back far enough. And he got a scrape from here all the way back. And he said, so I know I've been baptized. <laughs> And uh, my dad, not to miss the beat, he says, well, you know where the Bible says you're sealed into the day of redemption? That's your seal, brother. And, uh, but uh, we need to be baptized. And that's to be, and, and, and it goes in order. So be saved, be baptized. Uh, now there's the, the next three things I want to talk about happen after that. And these are important, important things. The most important thing after you're saved and after you're baptized and you become a member of the church to continue to be a good member, you must be faithful. You have to be here. When those doors are open, your place is to be in your church. Miss Jeannie and I were talking about this this week when I told her I was preaching on it, and that was one of my points that I had here. And We find today, the Bible says in the last days there will be a great falling away. That people want to hear the sound doctrine. They want their ears tickled. Listen, I'd rather have a preacher step on my toes than tickle my ears, because that means I'm getting the truth. But we got people that don't want to be faithful. Everything else comes before church. I remember growing up, I, I loved playing basketball and I loved playing sports and baseball. But if they played on Sundays, I wasn't allowed to play. Or I wasn't allowed to play the Sunday games. And then a lot of times if you didn't play the Sunday games, they wouldn't let you play, period. So I played a lot of backyard basketball and, 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 and backyard baseball with my family and friends in the neighborhood. But I wanted to play sports. I loved playing sports. But my dad always told me, church comes first. My dad taught us this way, God, family, church. Because God instituted the family before He instituted the church. And I can prove that to you in the book of Genesis. Because He created the family there. The Bible, the church came later. But if you put your church first after your family and after God, of course. But your church, be faithful. Be there. Listen, you have no right to complain about anything that goes on in the church that you attend. And I'm going to use this church as an example. You have no right to complain about anything that goes on in this church if you're not here to help with the situation. You know, you're all selecting a pastor. You've got somebody picked out, which I've, I've been praying hard that God sends you the right man. If you can say, well, I didn't know anything about this. You said, well, it's been eight months. When's the last time you sat in a church service? When's the last time you paid attention to a church service? It amazes me now when I, when I preach, and, I, and nobody, I've not seen anybody do this here, but I've been in churches singing, and, and I'll be up there singing, we'll be singing somewhere, and I'll look, Brother Bob, and I'll see somebody do this. And then I'll see somebody up in the front of the church just bust out laughing, and then do this, and then I watch them laugh. I'm like, they're talking back and forth. And I said, I wish I had their cell phone numbers, because I would reach mine and go, this is God, stop it. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
I heard I was in a church one time and a, and a preacher had made an announcement, I guess, the week before that he didn't want to hear any cell phones on, turn them off, turn them on mute. I mean, there's some people that have to have theirs on for different reasons. If you, if you have a job where you're on call or something, I don't understand that. I've been there. I've done that. But um, he said, no, I don't want to hear nobody's cell phone. Next cell phone. And somebody's cell phone. He says, the next cell phone that rings, I'm going to take it. I'm going to throw it against the wall and bust it. The pastor said. He was just furious. Well, while the special song was going on right before his message, the cell phone went off. He's looking. He grabs his pocket. He didn't turn his off. So, the, so the, after the guy got done singing, he goes, can I have that to throw it against the wall? <laughs> but be faithful. Be here. If there, you have a lot of opportunities. This church is one of the very few churches I know that have a lot of opportunities for you all to get involved in. That's how you can connect. That's how you can plug into the church and be a part of the family. More than just coming in and sitting in a pew on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. Listen, you've got to be involved all the time. You gotta, if you want to know what's going on, and then, and then what happens is there's things going, well, I didn't know about that. Why didn't I know about that? I, you know, and it, be here. If you're there, you'll know. But be faithful. Also, too, when you're faithful, that's encouraging to your leadership. That's encouraging to the deacons. That's encouraging to, the, to whoever the new pastor is going to be to see your face, and not only on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, but through the week in different programs and outreaches that the church has. That encourages them because that lets them know that you care about what happens in Moundsville Baptist Church. People say, I love my church, but they only go on Sunday mornings. They're morning glories. And then you've got your Christers, Christmas and Easters. <laughs> you liked that one, didn't you? You only see them on Christmas and Easter. You're like, where you been the rest of the year? You know, uh, my wife and I just recently uh, decided to, to move to a, a different home church closer to home down in Carmichael's. Because I say I'm from Waynesburg, and the reason I do, we have a golf course over close to my house called the Nemecolin Woodlands. And I live in a little mining town called Nimicon. When I say Nimicon, oh, you live by the casino on the golf course. No, I don't. So I just say Waynesburg, and because uh, that's where where I do where I had most of my where Jason Woods Ministries offices for a lot of years. So it's just easier uh, to tell people that because they're like, well, where's that at? Where's that at? And finally, I just want to tell them at the end. I get so frustrated, but I want to say, buy GPS. Um, but uh, but what I was saying, I'm talking about. My, my mind just went woo wrong way. Um, but I live in this little town, Nimicolin, and um, we just switched church. That's what I was talking about. We just started going. My wife is going to a new church. I met with a pastor, and I talked to him, and I said, now listen. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be up front with you. I said, now my wife and I have belonged to the same church. Actually, I belonged to the same church ever in Waynesburg for 25 years. And I'm leaving that church and going to another church. And it's a big move when you do something like that. But my wife and them went there. Uh, some friends of my daughter's that passed away go there. And they reached out to my wife because my wife told me, she says, when you're out on the road singing, I do not feel comfortable going to our church. Now, that's a scary thought. I feel like I'm out of place. I said, well, then we need to pray and find a place where you don't feel you're out of place. And uh, after Sarah's funeral, uh, her one friend called my wife the first Sunday I came here to preach. My wife calls me on the phone. She says, hey, I want to ask you a question. Do you mind if I go to this church with one of Sarah's friends? I said, absolutely not. You want to go? Go. She took my oldest stepdaughter that's still at home, Heather. And Heather's slight autistic. She's high-functioning autistic. And Heather just doesn't get along with a lot of people. Um, so she took, and she always said, church is boring. That was what she always told me. She went there that first Sunday, and my wife told me, she said, you would not believe what happened. She said, I saw Heather get involved. I saw Heather actually singing the songs. She was participating. And her dad lives here in Wheeling. 
And uh, she told me uh, this before she went to her dad's. I'm picking her up this afternoon after practice, of course. Not before practice, but I'll be there for practice. Don't worry. Um, she, said, she said, you know what? I really want to see my dad, but I'm really going to miss church this weekend. And then I found out last week before she left, she hugged the pastor. She don't hug nobody. She doesn't even hug her teddy bear. I mean, you know, she, you know. But my wife has seen a transformation in her, and I've seen a difference in my wife. She called me this morning. She says, hey, I, she says, hey, just letting you know we're going to be at church, and my other two daughters will be here this morning. She says, you know, uh, we'll tell uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Josh that she said, hey, and I, I met with him. I told him, I said, listen, I said, with all my stuff that I do, I'm, all, I'm away on the weekends a lot. But I said, I will promise you this, on the midweek service on Thursday night, I'll be there. That way you know that my commitment is serious. And he told me, he says, listen, brother, if God's called you into ministry, you do your ministry. We'll back you, and we'll see you on Thursday nights. But the fact is that my wife and my kids now have a place to go that they feel at home when they walk through the door. They feel like they're wanted. They feel like they're needed, that they are glad they're there. And when you walk into a church and you don't feel like you're welcome, guess what? You're probably not going to go back. And I can honestly say this. The last three weeks, you folks have made me feel very welcome. Bob, not so much, but everybody else has made me feel welcome. And... uh but be faithful. Be faithful. Listen, the faithful you are to your church, the more you're going to grow. Because you're going to be attached into things that are of God and ministries that are of God and opportunities of God. Then you're going to get God in your life more than just Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And by the way, I'll just say this. This is free. This won't cost you any extra this morning. If the only Bible reading you do is on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, you're a weak Christian and you're heading for trouble. We should read our Bible and have a communion with God every day. I like to do mine early in the morning. I used to do it late at night, but I started falling asleep. That wasn't good, so I started doing it early in the morning. God woke me up at 4.10 this morning in the hotel room over in Cambridge, and I don't know why He woke me up, but He woke me up. And I got up, and I just started praying. I don't know why, but I just did. And I was praying about this message this morning. And you know, I honestly hope that, that I've been a, a blessing and an uplift to all you folks here today. That was my goal coming here was to uplift you and encourage you and, uh, and, and to help you. Um, so be faithful. Number four, falling right in line with being faithful is be a praying Christian. Be a praying... Let's go back to be faithful real quick. I forgot to share the verse with you. Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25 is the verse that goes along with being faithful. Hebrews 10.25. It says this, Forsaking the ascent... Not forsaking the... Boy, I read that wrong. You're going to wonder what version I have up here reading that kind of stuff. Uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is that? What day approaching? That's the day of the coming of the Lord. The closer we get to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the more we should be in His house. And listen, I'm going to share something with you this morning. And if you, if you have Facebook and you want to keep following me and what's going on in my ministry... You can go on Facebook to Jason Woods Ministries and you can find me on there, like my page. I never thought at 43 years old I'd be asking people to like me. But um, you go on there like, and I put some videos and I put Bible verses on there and stuff. And I did about a 40-minute sermon on there the other day to mean for it to go to 40 minutes. But can I just share something with you this morning? And, and I don't mean to offend anybody. If I do, take it up with God because He's telling me to say it. If you think Baptists are going to be the only ones in heaven, I got news for you. Ain't going to be that way. And it's not going to be Baptist Boulevard. It's not going to be Methodist Lane. It's not going to be Presbyterian Way. It's not going to be Pentecostal Avenue. It's going to be heaven. 
We're one body. We're one in Christ Jesus. We're all one body. We're all going to be in heaven together. And, you know, I'm Baptist because I believe Baptist is the closest doctrinally to what I believe the Word of God says. That's why I'm a Baptist. But before I'm a Baptist, I'm a born-again believer of Jesus Christ. Blood-bought and saved and on my way to heaven. So I just wanted to share that with you there real quick. But not forsaking yourselves together. In other words, be always, you don't, as you see the times coming and times getting bad, listen, you want to be together as God's people. I don't want to be around the world. I want to be around those that are children of the Lord. I want to be around with people I want to spend eternity with. Even if it's Bob Wolf, I still want to be around him. You know. Did I get even now? Is that, how many is that now? Okay, I got five to three. We're good. Yeah. He got me three times, I get him five. So, uh, and fourthly, be praying. Now, Philippians 4.6. Philippians 4.6. Be praying. You know, if your prayer life's strong, your Christian walk's going to be strong. Amen? We should have an active prayer life. Philippians 4.6 says this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known unto God. Everything by prayer and supplication. Listen, there's another verse in the Bible, and I believe it's in Ephesians, it says, pray without ceasing. We're to be in a continual attitude of prayer. I remember one time years ago, I was going out visiting uh, Dornock and at the church we belonged to, for Victor Church down in Fairmont, me and uh, Pastor Barker's son Nathan, and my dad and his dad, Pastor Barker. And uh, my dad was kind of a jokester growing up. I was growing up, he, he had good moments. And... Uh, we were driving, and all of a sudden, Pastor Bob asked my dad to pray. Or asked, I said, Pastor Bob, said, we're going to pray before we go out. We're in the car. So my dad's driving. All of a sudden, we hear gravel and rock, and dad's got his head down. And, uh, he, and my dad says, hey, the Bible says pray without ceasing. He goes, I'll tell you what, we'll pray for you. You watch the road. Amen? And, uh, but pray without ceasing and, and be in an attitude of prayer. Why? Because we should always be seeking the Lord's will. And if you're a praying church member, you're going to be a good church member. Why? Because you're praying for your church. You pray for your leaders. You pray for the deacons. You pray for the, for the trustees. You pray for everybody that makes this church function. And any church function, you've got to pray for them, folks. Listen, the devil is coming to them harder than he's coming to you. Why? Because if he can take down a leader of the church, he's had a major victory. I tell people all the time, I said, pastors and evangelists and deacons and those who are in leadership positions need constant prayer. Why? Because the devil is attacking us just like he's attacking you. Listen, we're just as human as you are. We put our pants on one leg at a time. The devil hits us, it's not harder. Why? Because he wants to destroy. The Bible says he comes to seek and destroy. He doesn't want the church to go well. He doesn't want things to go in, community, in harmony and unity in this church. He wants it to be stirred up and mad and this person mad, this person. Well, I can't believe it. I sat in that pew for 35 years and here they come walking in first Sunday and they sit in my pew. I hope God takes them out today. You laugh, but I'm telling you, I've seen people. I've been, I think I told this, I've been asked to move out of pews that I've been sitting in. You know, or can you believe what so-and-so wore this morning? Well, the three guys sitting on the first row, what'd they do, get a memo on purple shirts? No, we're free advertising for He's Alive. That's what we are, amen? And, uh, but I'm just saying, instead of being that way, be praying. Listen, pray. There's power in prayer. You know how I know there's power in prayer? 
My sister this past Friday had surgery done on her ankle. Two weeks ago, she was told she had a 7 millimeter tumor in her lower left ankle. I saw the x-rays. I saw the tumor. It was there. They went in Friday morning to do the surgery. The doctor comes out and she says, I don't understand it. She goes, we've got all the scar tissue cleaned out. We have repaired the Achilles tendon, but there's no tumor in that leg bone. She said, it must have been a spot on the x-ray. I looked at my dad. I said, spot my foot. <laughs> I said, no pun intended. You say, you really believe God healed her and it wasn't a blues? Absolutely I do, because I saw it myself. There was something there. But I told her when she got the report, she was all worried and nervous. And I told her, I said, listen, Leslie, I said, I love you. I said, I'm just telling you this because I love you. I said, God's, going to use, God's using this to get your attention. So she hasn't been in church for a long time. She hits and misses. She's the typical preacher's kid that went rogue after turning 18. Listen, when you grow up as a preacher's kid, and, and, and this really doesn't go with the memory, but I, it kind of does, because remember the preacher's family and kids are just as human as you are. We always get picked on. They're the worst kids in town. No, they're the most watched. They're no different than anybody else. They face the same things. Listen, if I did half the stuff I was accused of growing up, I'd be in jail right now. <laughs> Honestly. Some of the things that people came up with. But my, I handled it well. My brother handled it well. My sister didn't. And when she turned 18, she just kind of, oh, I'll still be at church here and there, but she's doing her own thing. And I told her, I said, God's getting your attention. I hope you'll listen. And she told my dad there yesterday on Friday, she said, when I'm able to be around people, because she has to be off her leg for so long, she's in a cast for six weeks, she says, I'll, I'll, I'll be back at church. And uh, I, told, I told my dad, I said, that's the greatest thing we could have heard right there. And that's a lot of prayer. And I had to laugh at her there. She's using a walker. And I told her, I said, you're 40 and I'm 43, and you used a walker before me. She said, I may be under, under good pain medicine, but I know what you said, and I will get even with you. <laughs> but be praying. You know, we prayed for, pray for your church. That makes you a good church member. And number five, probably another really, another one of the most important things is, I think that we would agree that you would like to see Mountainville Baptist Church grow. Amen. See all these pews full that you'd have to sit out folding chairs, go to an expansion program. Amen? Acts 1.8. If you want to see that happen, you're going to have to be a soul winner. You're going to have to be a witness. You're going to have to tell others about Jesus Christ. Acts 1.8 spells it out very plainly. And this is Jesus right before He ascended. He's addressing the disciples. And He's getting ready to send back to heaven. And he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You say, Well, Brother Jason, I can't reach foreign countries. You can't through supporting missions. The mission trip that the brother was talking about last week, the building of that church, that was phenomenal. I love that, that outdoor chapel that they built, that church. That was just, well, I'd love to preach in that. I'm telling you, that'd be awesome. Um, but being a soul winner, you may not be able to go to Africa, you may not go to mission trips, but you can reach Moundsville. You can reach uh, Marshall County. And then you can go up into Ohio, and down into Wetzel. Well, I'm really using my West Virginia history today. Uh, that would be your Samaria. Your Jerusalem's right here. 
You need to be a soul winner. Listen, if you want to see this church grow, you've got to tell others about Jesus Christ. Listen, I heard Kathy Lee Gifford say this after Dr. Graham passed away. And I want to tell you something. I am so excited because there's been more talk about Jesus Christ on all the major networks and all the major TV channels in the last two weeks than there's been in decades. And when they were talking about Dr. Aaron, Kathy Lee Gifford was on the Megyn Kelly, I think it's Megyn Kelly's show. I don't watch those shows, but I was just, just caught the clip on the internet. And she talked about how Dr. Graham was very influential in her salvation and other people in her family's salvation, how they came to Christ through Dr. Graham. And she sat there and looked around, and, and Megan Kelly asked her, well, you know, how do you describe your faith? How do you describe She says, listen, I have no problem proclaiming my faith. Listen, if you had the cure to cancer, would you not share it with everybody that you had the cure to cancer? She goes, I may not have the cure for cancer, but I have cure for the soul. And it's Jesus Christ. And she looked at everybody in that place where they were at and told them that and didn't use God. She used Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's what she talked about. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm just waiting for him to hit NBC to hit the button. You know? But we have the cure for the soul. We, the Bible says that we, according to God's Word, we have the cure to the soul's problem, to the sinfulness of the soul. We have the cure for it. And listen, if you had the cure for cancer today, you'd be telling everybody, just like she said, but we have the cure for the soul and how to keep somebody out of hell, and we don't want to tell them. Why? Well, I just can't talk to people. You know, Moses said that. He gave him Aaron. I don't remember Aaron doing a whole lot of talking. Listen, he said, well, how in the world can I tell? I don't know what to do. I don't know all those Bible verses. I'm, I'm just not well versed in it. Tell them how God saved you. Just tell them what happened in your life. And you tell them that, it's just like you're telling the story. You're passing it on. And listen, when the, when the Lord brings somebody your way to tell about Him, and you don't, you're sinning against your Heavenly Father because He told you to do it. Listen, if we did he, when we do He's Alive, we do that moment at the end where we have people allow people to come to the cross and come for prayer, whether it be for salvation, whatever the need might be. But we allow people to come. If we presented that whole thing and didn't open up for people to respond, then what we did was absolutely in vain. Because what we're trying to do is reach people for the lost. There's people that's going to come to that theater that may not even know who Jesus Christ is. Oh, they may have heard of Bible stories about Him, but they don't know Him. They're not saved. And now they have the opportunity to hear a clear presentation of the Gospel and have a chance to respond. Why? Because we, that's what we want to do. We want to lead people to Jesus. And if that's not your desire this morning, as a Christian, to lead souls to Christ, then you need to hit this altar before you leave and get it figured out. We're going to do the Lord's table here in a little while. And that's my favorite scene in He's Alive, the Lord's Supper. I'd love to have been there for that first Lord's Supper. I'm telling you what. But when we do this, this is in remembrance of Christ. We're saying we love Him and we want, to, we want to remember Him. But if you're not telling others about Him, you don't love Him. Not like you should. Because if you did, you'd tell others about Him. And then people just then get them. You, you lead them to the Lord and then you bring them into church. They get baptized. They join the church. And then they go out and they win others. Listen, if everybody in here this year was to agree to win one soul for Christ, get them in church, get them, lead them to the Lord, get them baptized, get them in the joint, in the joint church, and disciple them properly. And then next year, those, now you've got two going out. And then the next year, you've got three going out. And what it does is, with everybody in the church, in the church here did this this morning, you need a new building in five years. It takes one to reach one, to teach one, to reach one. Be a soul winner. 
Listen, I love talking to people about the Lord. They think I'm nuts. When I tell them how good the Lord has been to me and, and to my family, and you say, even through everything you've been through over the past few weeks, yep, God's still faithful. God's still faithful. God still takes care of those that do His will. And, uh, you know, I believe God honors faithfulness. But are you... Look at yourself this morning. I don't want anybody to raise their hand, but look at yourself this morning. Are you a good church member? Are you? According to the Word of God, the Scriptures I share this morning, are you a good church member? Or are you just a church member that, eh, you know, if I'm asked, well, if the mood strikes me. Listen, we need to be faithful. We need to pray. We need to be a soul winner. Listen, that's what's going to make this church powerful for the, for the Lord. That's what you need to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you say, Brother Jason, I never really thought about what church membership and being a church member is all about. Maybe you need to come this morning. Maybe some of those areas you've been lacking in, orders open. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, I beg you, come to Him this morning. You say, well, I can't do that. I've been sitting in this church for 20 years. What are people going to think? It doesn't matter what people think. It's what God and you know. It's what God and you know. If you're this morning, maybe you just have a need or a burden and you need God to work in your life. The altar's open for that as well. Let's pray. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, God, we thank You for this day. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your forgiveness. We thank You for all You are and who You are. Lord, I pray that You would be with Moundsville Baptist Church, Lord, as they go the days ahead. Lord, with finding a pastor, a new senior pastor, Lord, that You would just guide and direct. And Lord, help the church to stay together. Help the church to love each other. And Lord, to realize that we need to pray. They need to pray for their church. They need to pray for their leaders. They need to be faithful to their church. And they need to go out and tell others about Jesus Christ. Lord, that people in the Moundsville area would say, Hey, something's going on over there. Let's check it out. God, I pray that you would just set this church on fire for you. And Lord, we praise you. We honor you. We thank you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.